BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Before you drift off into one of our meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to share with you one of the new opportunities for our listeners at The Mindful Movement. This is Sarah Raymond, and I'm so excited to announce the expansion of our coaching services to include two of my good friends and excellent coaches, Nikki Dyer and Laura Cannon. Both Nikki and Laura provide their own unique skill sets, allowing us to meet the needs of our growing audience. If you want to learn more, just follow the coaching link in the show notes. As always, we are grateful for your support and look forward to working with you. Hello, and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thanks for tuning in today for another episode. I got to speak with Mike Dorosky, the co-founder of SciFox today. SciFox is doing some really interesting work. They are transforming the industry of monitoring blood. So... If you care about your health, you probably have an understanding that the molecules floating around in your blood can say a lot about like what's going on behind the scenes in regards to your health. And there's a lot of value in measuring it. It's hard to fix what you're not measuring. And traditionally measuring blood kind of sucks. The whole process of going to the doctor and getting, or going to a lab and getting blood drawn uh, is just not fun and SciFox is really um, transforming the way it's done. It's They're making it way easier. It takes just a few drops of blood. You could do it from the comfort of your home. They do all the work and they create an interface where you could visually see and track how the markers of your blood are changing over time. So um, I'm really excited about it. I've kind of monitored my blood over the last several years and more thoroughly when I was going through a bit of a healing crisis. So um, I definitely understand the value of it. And I understand that it can be really cumbersome. And personally, I just hate the whole process of giving blood and seeing the vials filled up and occasionally getting lightheaded and such. So I'm excited to use the product. They were nice enough to offer a discount. So we'll uh, link to that in the show notes. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Mike Dabrowski, thanks for joining me on the Mindful Movement podcast. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. So at the Mindful Movement, I guess one of the big things that we um, focus on is empowering folks to play a a larger role in their sense of well-being. And I feel like the product that you've helped co-found with SciFox kind of speaks directly to that. Um, You make a a product that makes it really easy for people to monitor their blood markers and kind of track the wellness aspects that they, you know, they don't necessarily see or necessarily feel um, kind of the behind the scene. And um, there's definitely a convenience factor to that of being able to do it from your own home. I tested the product recently. It was an interesting process. Um, What brought you to, like wanting to create such product? That's a, that's a great question. So the truth is, so my, my background originally is in chemistry and biology. I then went on to start a few startups, actually not even in that space, more like electric vehicle charging. And then I eventually, eventually got into this little sub niche uh, while I was doing uh, grad school uh, research and first at Technion. And then I was later at MIT and I got into this little niche called silicon photonics, uh, which is actually very important. So right now, like we're having this conversation through Zoom. Uh, this is, seems like a digression, but it'll end up being important. 
So we're having okay. this conversation through Zoom and the com our computers use electronics, like it's all electrons, but actually the data is communicated using light through fiber optics. And that's why we're all able to be connected because there are these fibers literally laying on the bottom of the ocean, laying in the ground, you know, strung up, whatever, all over the world. And that's why we can all, you know, have these kinds of connections remotely. Uh, and it used to be that at the end of every fiber, there was a big box full of optics that would convert it into electron electronic signals so computers could understand them. But that's all been miniaturized onto silicon chips, similar to like the chips in a phone. So also like uh, produced in these big foundries. Maybe you've heard of this. There's like all these chip wars like going on of, you know, the most, the best chip foundries in Taiwan and China wants it and all these things. Anyway, so... Uh, this happened about 10 years ago. It really kicked off, like got got going really uh, significantly. And now everywhere, you know, there are these silicon chips doing this communication. And it turns out that blood testing, that when you open a tool, like when you send your blood to a lab, that tool inside is full of optics. So it turns out that basically there's, it's a logical next step for that technology to miniaturize blood testing. Um, and that's something that people have been working on for a while, but it's really become so mature that like when we started the company, we actually didn't start with a blood test. We just started with the more general technology around optics, like how to miniaturize optics. But we realized that there's this incredible opportunity to fix a problem that's been around for a while, which is just that, you know, people get 10 data points a decade when, uh, from blood tests. And typically because the blood tests are expensive and cumbersome and everything else, you don't really get that many markers tested. They just test you for the ones where, you know, if you're literally something is completely gone wrong, then you'll know from that. So they'll do like, you know, blood count. So if you're, if you have cancer, you might see that in the blood count, that kind of thing. But actually there are lots of markers that turn out to be really well studied, very well proven, you know, mountains of data, everything that people aren't measuring just because the convenience isn't there, the cost isn't there and everything else. And so we decided that probably, you know, an incredible impact we could make with the company and just with our time is to make it really, really easy to collect this data and act on it um, and make it more like brushing your teeth, right? Like something that could be part of your life, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a more straightforward way. So right now, people that really care about blood tests, they're go most of them are going and getting venous draws. So they go out of their way, drive somewhere or whatever. You have a needle stuck in their arm, tubes of blood, and days later they get a result. It's this kind of experience that, you know, will probably feel very antiquated, you know, in 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 ten years, right? Most people will be laughing at the idea of doing that frequently. Um, anyway, so that's kind of the history is that we, we're engineers uh, and we got into this uh, a little bit circuitously, but actually a lot of my family wasn't medicine. So three out of four of my grandparents were doctors and, and my mother's an immunologist. So I, I've been kind of tangentially exposed to this stuff my whole life uh, and accidentally ended up working. And I think it's really exciting. Um, another thing is just that in America, you know, health is so poor in America on average that you're kind of forced to just grapple with it, right? Like, so all around you, six out of 10 Americans have chronic disease. So just everywhere around you. I mean, if you just open your eyes, you see that there's a real issue. And so it feels good to be contributing at least in a small part to, to solving that. Gotcha. Well, that's a great story. Um, yeah. So you're right. Like I, especially when I went on like a healing journey over several years, I got so much blood taken and I hate it. Like, it's funny. I, I think back when I was a kid, there was a time where I was uh, giving blood and I guess I passed out in the room and they had to, it was my first experience with smelling salts. I mean, I was like a single digit ages and it kind of yeah, always yeah. stuck with me. And because of that mildly traumatic experience, I never liked giving blood. And um, it was like, there was a threshold of how much, how many vials of blood I could give before I would like lights out and not long. Well, maybe like eight or nine years ago, I, uh, was seeing a functional doc and one thing that functional medicine seems to do is they take a, they do a lot of front testing i think mm -hmm. to a fault like unnecessarily but um but this woman came to the house which was like a nice luxury you know the phlebotomist would come to you and i'm sitting at my uh living room or my dining room table and i see she's got like 17 vials to fill and I'm like starting to like freak out. And I'm like, that's a lot of vials. And she, you know, she's just going through the motions like, you know, just another day at work. And I'm like, is that like going to be a problem? And she's like, no, you're going to be fine. 
And like, she doesn't know. She met me five minutes before and she's taking the vials and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'm starting to feel a little lightheaded. And then apparently I, I passed out and slid off the chair under the dining room table with the needle in my arm and her like following me to keep the needle in place. And then I'm waking up, you know, a few minutes later, like what happened? Um, so I really like <laughs> like the convenience. I mean, that makes me sound like a wuss. In general, you know, I could yeah. go and sit and give five I, or six nearly, I've nearly passed out. So now, because we do so much comparison testing between like the finger prick kit and the Venus draws, I've done a ton of Venus draws and I'm getting more used to it. But, uh, the you know, I've definitely, I've had one of these phlebotomists at the home where when I was testing other companies' products. And the problem is that it's scheduled they show up at a, a specific time and she caught me before I had any water, you know, I had just rolled out of bed and uh, usually I don't have these issues, but yeah, I nearly passed out. She had to like walk me over to a couch and all these things. And yeah. it's definitely, it's, it's a rough experience. It's, it's, it's like a gruesome, brutal thing, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> like I mean, you, you can th- get you used to it, about it, but you know? I don't but, definitely yeah. don't enjoy it for sure. And yeah, it's yeah. so that's one of my questions. So I did the package. You guys sent me a sample to try and, um, I, I did think it was going to be pretty simple. And then when I went to do it, you only need like, uh, eight drops of blood. So you guys mm-hmm. send this little lancet that you, that simply just pricks your finger. And I was surprised. <laughs> I thought it would be easy to get eight drops of blood, but I didn't mm-hmm. prepare. Like the woman over the phone gave me some advice to prepare to get the blood flowing. And of course, you know, a uh, typical guy, I didn't listen. I'll be, I'll be fine. And I was also probably dehydrated first thing in the morning. So um, I got it, but it was, uh, it was, it took, I went through all the lancets. You guys send four lancets and you should only need one, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through all four, but I got it. And then I got the results. And one thing that first struck out to me is, um, you know, my numbers, first of all, the interface is great. So Mm, the, um, the ease of kind of seeing all the data, really nice. And the speed, you know, I, you guys send a package that has a little piece of paper that you just drop uh, or some kind of fancy paper that has something you're putting the blood on. You drop a few drops of blood on and then, um, and then all the packaging, you just put it in an envelope and drop it off at the post office. And I, I don't even think it was a week from the time I mailed it to the time I got the email that the results were in. So that was really nice. Yeah. And the spread and how you guys lay out the information was nice. One thing that jumped out to me is, you know, my numbers were quite a bit different in, in some of the biomarkers that maybe we'll go over some of these biomarkers you test Mm -hmm. very different than what my trends were. And my first question was like, what you just alluded to the comparison, like how do we know how to compare this to the typical blood tests that we're getting where you do have the vials of blood? Mm-hmm. Like what's yeah, the margin of error there? Or... That's a, that's a great question. So yeah, like I'm just, uh, I think it's probably helpful just to show this. So, so the kit comes with this, uh, this card. It's actually, it looks simple, but it's, it's a really interesting piece of technology. There are these, uh, when you drop drip a couple of drops on these squares, what happens is uh, as the blood runs across, the cells are separated from the serum and this is really important like normally they do this in a centrifuge so they spin blood and then the cells settle out to the bottom from a centrifugal force but th- these cards came out about five years ago we don't make this but it's uh they they allow the shipping you know kind of shipping and handling of blood because normally if you try to ship it with all the cells you have to keep it on ice it's like a it's a very tough proposition to do this kind of thing and it really didn't take off until these cards became available. Uh, and there are many of these tests out there, like people, people probably know this, but the, our claim to fame is that you get the most markers and it's really low cost. Uh, so we've like expanded the amount of data you get out of one of these. And of course, if you go to all this trouble, like okay, you shouldn't have to take four pricks, but-, <laughs> but <laughs> right. uh, That was my you, fault. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to all this trouble, you should, uh, you know, we, we believe like you should get as much as possible out of it. You know, companies that are, a little bit more like marketing and sales focused, their thought is like, we want you to buy four boxes, right? So we'll sell you the inflammation box, the metabolic box, the cardio yeah. box, but that's, we combine everything because if you're going through this and also it's, it's, it's some of it is also a matter of like the technical understanding of how to expand the, the set of markers. But, but basically 
Uh, to answer your question, the blood testing industry is a very big mess. Uh, and this is rarely talked about because uh, it's just very confusing. But essentially, the people who even create the standards, so there are these standards you can buy. There are a couple of companies that do them, like BioRed, for example. When they send them to different manufacturers or run them on different machines, what they do is they actually report all those numbers, and it's like a spread. And what happens is just the way that instruments are regulated by the FDA, you only have to show that you're equivalent to one other instrument. You don't have to, there's no standardization across the industry. And for some markers, this matters a lot because they're very complicated. So for example, vitamin D, there are a few forms of vitamin D. So you could be measuring a little bit more of this one, a little bit more of that one, like one test measure. So there, that causes these spreads uh, and it hasn't been resolved. So the industry is like this. What doctors do, of course, so the way that they live with it is they say, okay, it's all within the, the same bracket of the reference range. So as long as, but the reference ranges are very big, right? Because it's, medicine is not that serious about optimization. They're just like, if you, as long as you're here, we don't want to talk to you, right? So, right. so that's to us, like, because we want to optimize people's health, that's not enough. But if, for medicine, they're like, okay, you know, as long as you're, as long as you're within X, you know, maybe this tool gives you a 40 vitamin D and this tool gives you a 60, as long as you're above 20 or whatever, we don't want to talk to you. That's not anemia, goodbye, right? Or sorry, that's not, you know, a vitamin D deficiency, goodbye. Uh, so that's kind of how they live with it now. So what we do is we try to benchmark our test against different platforms uh, and we're open about it. So there are videos also of people, but you really have to take the test simultaneously to get a good result because some of these things will change. Like if you take it, take your cortisol at 9 a.m., after waking up at 8.30 and then you take it at 10, 10 a.m., that's going to be a different number because some of these things have, di you know, diurnal right. movements and, and all of that. Uh, the good news is that for some markers, it's really good. So like APOB, CRP, certain things, uh, it, it, there's like really good agreement across the industry and certain things there's less. So what we know is that our tests, of course, they're all validated. There's a whole federal system that validates what are called CLIA lab tests. Uh, so it, it goes through all of that, but despite that, on certain things, like we know that LabCorp tends to give a lower vitamin D number than our test does. Um, and there are, you know, we've had users compare it and everything, but it, in general, the, what we try to do is make sure that our insights are matched to what we know, how we know the test runs. And the other thing is that uh, they're self-consistent. So if you see your vitamin D going up on our test, let's say it goes from 20 to 30, that's real. Uh, now, if you get a LabCorp test and it says your vitamin D is 15 and we say it's 20, that's probably related. That could be very much related to them using a different instrument than we do. Gotcha. Um, okay. So that, that's how it works. And this is the reality. Like, if you have a really good doctor, they usually only send your blood to one lab because they want to really see the changes consistently, right? They won't send it to two different labs. And, and they'll often reject results or retest results from other labs because of paranoia about like the disagreement between right. labs and that's just the reality of, of the industry yeah well that makes a lot of sense and being that you have the interface i mean even though i've only done the one sample you could tell that when i do samples down the road i'm going to be able to map it out and visually mm -hmm. see my trends a lot easier than i'm used to doing it where it's like i'm just looking through all like five papers of all these line items and then i got to go back to the previous one, you know, six or 12 mm -hmm. months before mm -hmm. and look down the line items. So I'm looking forward to seeing that the ease of the, the visual that I, you could see is going to be created as I go forward. Um, yeah. So at first I was like, I was kind of like pissed off. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like my numbers can't be this, like I've tried to this. And then I, but then when I was a little bit more objective, I was talking to my wife about it. She was like, look at what you've done over the last, you know, year and a half. I've like mm. dramatically changed my diet and um, and got a lot of positive things out of it and also some not very positive things that I'm trying to like thread the needle with and kind of figure out. Mm -hmm. And I've been having people on the podcast to help me walk through some of those transitions. And when I look at the numbers, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense, actually. Like mm. what I've experienced over the last you know year and a half or so is is kind of being reflective reflected by these numbers um and i took it more as uh i don't know like a wake-up call um in a way mm -hmm. like learning a little bit more about myself 
there were some things that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but um, but I'm like trying to make sense of it, and I'm looking forward to seeing well, um, what happens. Like for instance, I was low carb for a long time, mm -hmm. thinking like that was the thing to do, and just because I'm I'm fairly easily sold <laughs> on, on some things. Um, it's a, a blessing and a curse. Like I'm willing to try things, and also some I'm willing to try things. So. Um, I got a lot of benefits of going low carb. And then I found myself over time having some negative effects hormonally from it. And yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to um, add carbs in and I started to tap into, I guess, what's known as like the bioenergetic model of eating things that resemble kind of like a Ray Pete diet or something. If, if you're familiar, or at least those principles and it's been great, like in many ways for like mm. sleep and my energy and putting on muscle. And I went crazy doing it. Like I overcompensated. So I put on more than just muscle. Like I put on like 30 pounds over a year and a half. Mm. So um, I was looking that at- will, That will definitely change your, your blood work. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> and it feels, in some ways it feels great. Like picking mm. up heavy things- it feels great. Yeah. The extra mm -hmm. weight and the extra muscle picking up me like pull-ups where I'm the weight don't feel as good as like a deadlift where it's not relative to me, but, um, uh, where it's not like a relative strength, but also I've brought a little bit of fat with that. And now I'm like starting to work my way down, but there was like a pretty mm -hmm. linear ramp up as I increased all these dietary carbohydrates to try to help my metabolism and to help my hormonal thing. But, um, but then I got my, uh, blood work and maybe we could talk a little bit about some of my blood numbers. Um, my testosterone like went down mm. and it had been steady climbing for years. So like when I was sick several years ago, it was in like the three hundreds and then I steadily got it up to like 700, mm. which felt pretty good about, and then it like plummeted and for this last test. And I wonder, and part of me was like, well, I didn't sleep well the couple nights leading to the test. So I wonder, yeah. I guess I have a question. One, do you know how much something like, you know, getting a couple shitty nights sleep in a row leading up to the test can affect something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So we've done a ton of tests on ourselves and some other, and, you know, other people that, started using the service early. Uh, sometimes we would do weekly, like we had a couple of months at the beginning where we had you know, 50 people doing weekly tests. So we have a pretty good data set. Um, and we also track sleep. So you know, we connect all the, like I use an aura, uh, but we connect to you know, 200 different wearables and it's all in the same dashboard because we try to actually connect these things, right? How do these things affect each other? Um, Sleep is very correlated to testosterone. So we know this in our user base. Uh, so it's uh, sleep over the past two weeks before you took your test, because we have sleep data, does it's like 50 in 50% 50 of people. But this is actually interesting because it means for the other 50% of people, it's not. Uh, and that's why these personalized tests matter because for some people, it might that might not be the reason that your testosterone is where it is, right? There might be another factor. Um, but for me, it definitely correlates uh, and I also had a very interesting experience recently. I mean, this is just a cool anecdote is, uh, basically, so I'm having an, uh, I have a, I have a three-year-old son and I'm, my wife is pregnant again. And I noticed right around the time when she got to like the second trimester, I just, you know, start feeling completely different. And I, you know, I run these tests every month. So I look, my testosterone is way down. And, uh, I went into the literature and it turns out that even in primates, like mammal, multiple mammals, they found that when the female's pregnant in paired mammals, she does something, nobody knows what actually, but uh, it increases the prolactin in the man, which uh, inhibits, inhibits testosterone production. And so there's some, there's some evolutionary reason for this. So it's not clear like whether you should mess with this, but- yeah, uh, it's, it's probably obvious. I mean, I would think that the woman at that point doesn't want the man going impregnating other yes. women. It's stuff like that. Right. So, but for me, you know, like, I don't want to have all the down, you know, like I want to work out and, you know, have the right. motivation to do it and everything. So it's, uh, so basically I went and looked up, like, how do I inhibit, 
you know, prolactin production. And you can take like decent, if you take large doses of vitamin B6, it does, it's supposed to inhibit prolactin. So I did that and we actually measure, we have like an expansion pack that has prolactin and LH and, you know, some of the other hormones. And um, I did the measurements, tracked my prolactin, took the B6 and it all works, which was amazing. I mean, in biology, it's hard to get an experiment to work, especially on humans. But basically, my prolactin dropped, and then my testosterone went back up. Interesting. It was, like, Do you like know what yeah. form of B6, if that was the active form or the inactive? Um, I just took a B6 supplement that I bought in, for, actually in of... France because I was on vacation when I gotcha. when I started uh, when I like started trying to actually deal with this. I got my numbers, and I was like, "Oh man, I gotta try to do something." But I remember to look it the up. dose, Mike. Or... Uh, yeah, so I w- the the pills were for people I needed because usually they put very little B six. Right. So I had to find a very high dose, and I found one that was too high. I think it was like two hundred fifty milligrams. So Ooh. I would take like a I would take a third of the pill every day okay. for I think for two weeks is what I did. Yeah, two uh, And I saw I saw the effect. But this is the kind of thing that uh, I don't know if the dose mattered that much. Like but when I looked it up, people had different things to say about it. But in general, I think it's vitamin E and B6 that inhibit. And people recommend another form of B6. I think it's called P5P. P5P but I, yeah. I never, I never found that. Uh, so I, but I, that's that's the one that's supposed to be safer or something like that. But well, um, it's the, I think it's the activated form. It's what your body does with it anyway. But I think the non-active form also has some uh, important uses in the body. It's interesting. The other thing that I thought about with my scenario is I put on the weight, like does the excess adipose tissue lower testosterone in itself, just having that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, did a little digging and it does. does, So it's like, okay, it it may, which made me less mad. It makes me more, it gives me more confidence in the test. And it also, which makes me like um, use it more, um like responsibly almost like okay let's be objective don't get upset your numbers like i took it as like a hit to my ego like when a guy sees the testosterone down it's like oh i'm i'm worthless i'm not worthy and it was like uh it was good for me in hindsight Hmm. so like i'm being a little bit more i don't want to say strategic but like more serious about kind of changing the course i was on so that um, I kind of get some of this excess weight off. It's a it's a weird thing threading the needle. Like I feel like gaining weight has a lot of benefits. Yeah. And losing weight also has a lot of benefits. And um, you know, I'm tinkering with that balance. I've gone uh, just uh, the listeners have heard this, but just for context, like I went from 240 pounds zero muscle a long time ago, all the way down to 153 pounds. And then up to 180 for a while. And then I just went from like 180 to like 210, 215 um, after being a 180 for a while. And so I've kind of gone through a big spread and mm-hmm. I've learned a lot in, in all the directions, essentially. And I, yeah, I feel I like mean, I'm slowly dialing it in. Yeah, I think I think um, probably I mean, part of this is probably just living in America. But I think a lot of people go through that kind of journey where it's like you live the standard American life. That doesn't work. Right. Then you're like diet, stuff like that. And then you start trying, you know, you try keto, you try this. But the problem is that all these things are also a little bit unnatural. So you have right. to figure out like which one is going to work, you know, in your system. It's, it's a, I read this very funny quote once. I think it was on Twitter or something, but it's like, you know, this guy describes everything he does to get good sleep. And it's like seven things, you know, I, the eye shades, this, and he's like, and then I finally got sleep. Like I would 10,000 years ago, if I was <laughs> sleeping on a rock, you know, in a thunderstorm or whatever, without like naked. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind yeah. of, and I feel this way too. Like I have to do a lot, even at my, I'm pretty young, but I still have to do a lot just to get, you know, what to me is like probably what I would be getting if I just like, you know, was a farmer or something. Right. So just, right. and getting sun at the right time, like all these things. But if you live them, you know, I, I mean, obviously I work and, and everything else. So if you live the modern lifestyle, it just takes a little bit of extra effort. Uh, but I think that's the problem with that is, is that it's not very data driven typically. And that's what we're like, I think we provide a lot of value is just trying to give people more data, more tools so that they can do this, you know, just do the optimization you're talking about for themselves. Right. Um, and it's not, it's important to gauge how you feel for sure, because not everything is in the blood work. Like it's not, 
infinitely comprehensive, but but it's a good tool to add to the, you know, to the mix. I think, for example, you know, like I'm very surprised that in terms of like mental health, people don't start with a blood test because, you know, psychology is incredibly complicated, right? But like the blood tests are very simple. So relative to that, right? So it's just, if that's a problem, it's very hard to compensate with, you know, a psychotherapy or whatever, or even antidepressants or whatever it is. It's very hard to compensate if you just have really bad blood work. Like I think typical people with depression will have very high inflammation. And so it's like, okay, maybe there's something you can do to fix that first. And then if you still, you know, not feeling great, okay, let's go through all this, every, all this other stuff, which is like a big rabbit hole, right? And so it, that to me is uh, one area which is not as well studied. Like I think with diets, people know that's going to affect your blood work. But like psychologically, that's not very, you know, that's not fully connected yet. I think that's one area that's very important. And it's being, of course, like in academia, it's well known. Um, but it's not it's not something that's like out in the wild actually being being applied that much. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I noticed on one of the first things I looked for on the test was, do you test fasting insulin? And that's something that mm -hmm. seems to be also very well known in academia, whatever. That yeah. how how important and simple that is your fasting insulin. Yet in application, it's still not tested generally mm -hmm, when you mm -hmm. go to get your normal blood work and it from what i understand it's not an expensive test it's not hard for the doc to you know add that check to the box but just there's like a disconnect between what we know in the literature and what is uh com you know common practice so it's nice to have that number in the fasting insulin from what i understand is um maybe one of the best things to look at to just get a snapshot of your overall like metabolic health. Um, whereas the other data, there's like a lot more to interpret associated mm -hmm. with metabolic health, where that is like a real simple thing that if your insulin is really high, right when you wake up and you haven't had food recently, um, you, there's a problem. Like that shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's probably the top, you know, if you had to just, you know, if you pick a random person out of a hat in America and you say, what's going to be off fasting insulin, right? Because even before your glucose, so what, what the way the medical system works now is they wait for you to lose glucose control. So they say, okay, you're out of control. Your glucose is really high, but that's a control system that runs on, you know, basically insulin is what can, insulin and, and glucagon are controlling the level of glucose. So that means that you, at some point, your whole body went out of whack and you have to start producing more and more insulin to keep your glucose down. And at some point, you can't even produce enough insulin and your glucose starts to rise, uh, you know, the, over, the average level of, and that's what they measure typically. It's called HbA1c. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but it's HbA1c is measured, you know, if you do your yearly physical, they'll measure that. And that's the three month average of your glucose levels. And there's, it's a protein that ends up getting, you know, it has a chemical reaction with glucose. So you can kind of, it has a uh, three month lifetime. So if you, uh, the amount of it will tell you. And um, this is like the last thing, right? So you're now, once that's far out of range, you're near, you know, you're pre-diabetic and they'll tell you, okay, you're pre-diabetic. And they maybe don't even say it that seriously, that harshly, but that's like, you're already very far down the road. So probably right. 10 years ago, you started losing control of this system and your insulin started creeping up and everything. So that's an incredibly important one. Um, and another one that's like overlooked, but very powerful is trig to HDL, tri triglycerides to HDL ratio. Um, and there's a ton of research uh, that supports that trig to HDL. And we see this in our data because we take these broad tests. We see a lot of correlation between trig HDL and like inflammation or metabolic fitness issues. So like high fasting insulin, this kind of thing. So tracking trig HDL and getting that, you know, to like two or less is, is a, that's, that's probably a, something that people are overlooking as well. But I think fasting insulin is the most direct and simple. Like you're saying, it's, it just shouldn't be high in the morning. There's no reason. It means that you have insulin resistance. Gotcha. Um, Can you speak at all? I don't know if this is your wheelhouse, but what trig to HDL really represents biochemically? Um, or? Yeah. So I think, I think it's, so what happens is, you know, they take these measurements. The nice thing about, and this is how we choose our markers, basically for the panel. We try to go after the ones that are measured frequently enough where there is a ton of data on them. So for example, 
normally you don't get your ferritin measured. That's the protein that carries iron. But enough people do that we have a ton of data on ferritin, right? And we know that it kind of, you know, a lot of things about what it means. So we don't go after like very esoteric stuff. Strig HDL, I think people just do the statistics and they, that's the first thing that happens. They're like, oh man, this really correlates to, you know, whatever diabetes, this really correlates to, to cardiovascular disease. What's the mechanistic reason? Probably, uh, you know, high triglycerides meet, imply some kind of metabolic dysfunction uh, because you're not able, it's not, that's like the short-term fats. It's kind of like the glucose of fat. So you're not, you're not controlling that well. If those are too high, you're supposed to convert them to another. I, I'm not, this is not my area, okay, I have to you. say. But it's, uh, it's, you can think of it, it's related to, it's similar to glucose where you're, the triglycerides are too high. You know, the reason you have HDL in that formula is because the overall level of cholesterol maybe doesn't matter as much as the, as the relative levels. So they use it as like a normalization factor. And so probably what really matters is whether you're able to control your triglycerides relative to the rest. So gotcha. it's like, how's your body converting those into long-term fats and things gotcha. like that? That's another thing that I saw in my test that my numbers changed dramatically. My cholesterol numbers, um, which were going up steadily with like a low carb diet for years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was convinced that that wasn't something to be upset about until I felt like I had some signs of reduced metabolism. And then I learned that, well, you need thyroid to basically convert the cholesterol to downstream products. So elevated cholesterol more so is an indicator of a slowing metabolism, which was consistent mm -hmm. with a low carb diet. So I was like, yeah. okay, this is starting to make sense. So I've been eating all these carbs and my cholesterol plummeted, yeah. like okay. cut in half, like all. So I think that's good, but I, I'm really... I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I don't feel fine. Um, might want to get an image at some point. I'm 46. So maybe like get a CAC scan when I'm like 50 or I don't know, but it's just interesting. Like, wow, it did what I thought it should do. It did it yeah. more than I thought it should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's like, like I said, I'm trying to thread a needle. So that on the surface seems positive, I think, because it means, yeah, maybe my thyroid is up and running and I am converting. But if I am converting, well, I had my testosterone drop, but maybe that's for other reasons. And then um, the other thing that stood out was my HbA1c, the thing that you mentioned, has always been normal up until mm -hmm. this like higher carb experimentation started to creep up. Yeah, and, it's all. <laughs> yeah. But I've also been like not even cautious about carbs. Like I've been yeah. staying regularly carbohydrated and sugared like mm. from morning to night mm. so now i'm like getting more responsible to say okay i'm gonna cut down the number of meals i'm not gonna have like sugary things between meals and just have this mm -hmm. like constant bombarded and just try to be um more like the experts advise i guess in that field instead of at first i was just like i wanted such abundant signals to my body I wanted my body to understand I'm never going to starve you of carbs again. So if there's any metabolically expensive um, activity that you've been waiting to do, but felt you didn't have that you weren't, didn't have the safe environment to do it. I just want you to know you do. And I wanted to like get through that. And I was like, I'm totally okay with gaining weight. I just want to get out of this kind of scarcity feel mm -hmm. sense in my body. And now I'm like, uh, okay, I ran that course. And I, I want to like just wiggle my way back down to balance. But it's it's very interesting how all these things are interacting and they seem to make sense. Have when, you ever have you ever tried like, a conti continuous glucose monitor? I did. Yeah. But oh, I did okay. it while I was doing low carb. But then I learned, um, you know, I'm not sure. Now that I learn more about how metabol metabolism governs so kind of everything and how crucial sugar is in the blood and how we're always having adaptive responses to regulate mm -hmm. it. I didn't find it as useful because um, if your blood sugar is like, I always looked at blood sugar should be as low as possible. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's probably, that's a, that's a one sided view, right? That's for sure. So that, that's interesting that you bring that up. I mean, the, the reason I mentioned the CGM is when you're keto, it's actually not very interesting because it's, it's just flat. It's flat, right? yeah. 
but uh, or more or less, unless you exer- like when you exercise, even if you're fasting, you'll you'll have a spike. But it's a uh, um, it's interesting when you're not when you're actually eating like a more diverse diet. Uh, there are all these hacks that people have come up with or studied, and some of them it's very funny. Just end up being things that are traditional. So, for example, Chinese people eat a lot of rice. And they always take walks after big meals. That's like a right. standard thing. Take a walk after. And that's the, that is their recommendation. Deposes from, you the know, sugar. From however many studies right. and all these things, you know, it basically helps you absorb the sugar into your muscles. Right. So if you're sitting after the big meal, it, it, you don't get the same level of absorbance into the muscles. So you get a bigger spike. Uh, and there are a couple of these other things. It's like, you know, eating, eating your protein and uh, fiber before the sugar. And I found, so I, this is probably my weakest area, the metabolic health stuff in general. So I, I'm interested in this and I've done a bunch of these experiments on myself and this stuff just works. Like it, it, not all of it, you know, it's, it's again, personal for some, something, some foods are going to be different than others and all these things. But that's one reason why we offer, we're not, by no means like really focused on the continuous glucose monitor. We don't have an app around it. Like some companies build an app right. and kind of make it a really, uh, you know, you can really drill into to your glucose control, but we do offer CGMs. We just basically managed to, uh, you know, we set up like a, a fulfillment system for it where you can get it through us. Gotcha. For some reason in America, you have to get a prescription to get this. It's like a mafia, right? right. In, yeah. in Canada, you can buy them at Costco. Oh, uh, it's a know. great tool. I just feel uh, like it's a great tool for like two weeks. Yes. Yeah. You do it once or twice, you know, once in a while and you see, okay, is what I'm doing, doing what I think it's, I'm it's right. doing. Right. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's one thing that I found useful for me just to calibrate like, and that does have downstream effects on HbA1c, right? Because it's just averaging that number. Uh, and if you have these, you know, like you eat a ton of glucose and then you go to sleep, that's going to have, you know, you're very bad at absorbing it while you sleep so you're going to have this like really big long spike overnight and that's how you end up with the higher hba1c number sometimes it depends on the person but right, that's, but uh, there's also like you mentioned hacks found for myself yeah you mentioned yep. hacks like sometimes you could just add fat and slow yeah. that down yeah so it doesn't yeah, yeah, go yeah. as high and that way it helps you sleep and you go yep. deeper before your cortisol rises it helps you sleep through the night like i have a history of having not enough carbohydrate mm running out of uh glucose for my oh, nervous system that, to run right. on in the middle of the night and then waking up with the cortisol spike and uh, it's you know two hours before i want to get up yeah those are keto problems that's like a keto problem right so when uh, i had but if i have funny. like a bowl of ice cream before bed that doesn't happen hmm. so Very it's like well how do i thread that needle which turns out people have been doing it for a long time people have been having like yeah. milk and honey or yeah, some okay. kind of like fat and sugar so you have this mm-hmm. slow drip yeah. because yeah. to some extent sugar is anti cortisol mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and when blood sugar goes down you have hormones like cortisol or adrenaline that whose job is to get more energy available so yeah, yeah. they will they will spike um what other markers Go over like the other uh, markers that you guys look at on the basic tests that you offer. So one thing is, I mean, we, we're really focused on chronic disease prevention, health optimization, right? That's, that's the area. So we don't, we don't really overlap much with your yearly blood test. Uh, we're really looking at things that they don't normally measure until you have a lot of symptoms. We have a couple things that overlap just because, you know, we believe those should be measured more often. Uh, so we do very important one. This is if we had to just have one marker, maybe this would be it is HSCRP. That's not measured enough at all. So that's the general inflammation marker and it's downstream of a lot of inflammatory processes. So that's correlated to, you know, all cause mortality. It's very important and you want to get it down below one, basically. Uh, some people try to get it, you know, below 0.5, but that's, that's the ideal world is like, it's below one average American is at 2.5. So there's a lot of, inflammation where does it come from you know it's a mix of possible so it really depends people report you know getting rid of mold in their house and having it go down uh you know changing your diet of course like a lot of it can be like just from eating a lot of processed food but uh it really depends so you can't you know you have to start kind of going deeper to figure out like how to get it down but it's, it's important to track it um and the other thing is uh I mean, sometimes if you get a bacterial infection, it's supposed to go high. That's what it's for, but it shouldn't be 
basally elevated. That's a big issue. So that's one that we think is really important. We track morning cortisol because people's circadian rhythms are messed up. A lot of it is due to blue light and other factors like blue light at night. So we also actually uh, will ship, like we have a membership option that's kind of like the everything membership. And we always include blue light blockers with that. Oh, nice. uh, like just because, you know, people won't buy them if you have to charge them for it, but we just include them because, you know, if 10% of people use them, that's already a big win. And do you uh, notice that when, do you notice the blue light blockers help as it shows up on the morning cortisol test? So in people where we know that they're using them yes, but it's uh, we don't know what's going on. You know, we don't collect, we don't collect a lot of data currently about our users. So we don't, we don't really know if they're using them, but it's uh we just, it's kind of, we do it as like a, you know, just let's just, we know they work. So it's, we just provide them and some people already have them, of course. So we, we, we just sort source a good pair and, and send them because it's so important. And it, because the circadian rhythm just has a lot of effects on everything. So if you have that screwed up, you know, that's one of the first things to focus on because you can fix it. Uh, for most people, it's fixable. Depends. I mean, if you have a night job or whatever, it's very tough to fix. But um, so that's one that we're really interested in. And again, we also track sleep. And so it, it goes well together. Uh, there's also for lipids. ApoB and ApoA are much better measure than LDL and HDL. They're essentially the same thing, except LDL HDL measures the total amount of these lipids, whereas ApoB and ApoA measures the number of particles. And the number of particles is more important. It turns out uh, it has some, the mechanism of how your arteries get clogged or whatever matters more how many of these particles you have. Uh, and so, and that's very well proven. It's all really 20 years already. This has been understood. Doctors don't measure ApoB unless you're going to a functional medicine doctor. Uh, that's just how it is. There, there's a guy, Peter Atia, that talks about this all the time. Right. Uh, who is a, the, you know, these, the drive podcast, but basically we measure that and LDL HDL. So you can see both. Uh, and we think that's important because sometimes you have normal lipids, but then the ApoB is off and you, you want to address that through diet or statins or whatever. Uh, we don't, what, we don't, what are the, do you know what the dietary interventions are to address ApoA or ApoB? I think it's the same things as, as the lipids. So it's, it's like fiber. Uh, there are some specific types of fiber that, that tend to help. There are actually, people are coming out with like, kind of like a nutri like, you know, like protein bar type thing, but to lower your cholesterol. I think those are interesting. We haven't, we haven't, we're going to experiment with some users and see if they actually work. Uh, and then there's like, um, omega-3s, eating more, you know, olive oil and fish. I think those are the major things that people recommend. I, I might be missing something. And then there are statins also, which are controversial. I don't know if they, I, I can't recommend somebody statins, but uh, a lot of people recommend them, of course. Um, but they might have some other effects that we don't understand. So it's, it's like- and You mentioned dietary you, you stuff don't is... collect a lot of data. Do, do you share any data? Do people have to worry about like doing this and then all of a sudden they go to get life insurance and mm. they can't because. So, so we, we don't, uh, we don't share any private data. A lot of people are worried. I don't know where this comes from, but there must be some meme going around that people are worried that we'll get their DNA. We don't save any of the sample. We don't measure DNA. We only measure proteins and hormones, uh, which are, you know, totally unrelated to DNA and we don't keep the sample. Uh, and of course, the data is all private. It's, there's a lot of regulations around this. We do collect the metadata. So we pool everyone's data together into an anonymized, you know, essentially spreadsheet. And we do a lot of uh, computation on that to try to improve our insights. So we're, and, and you're benefiting from all the other users' information. So from that perspective, there, we do that, but we don't actually, there's no way that an individual's data is going anywhere, uh, where it's linked to who they are. Gotcha. Um I did have a question. You getting back to the things you test, I noticed you tested, I think one marker for thyroid, I think it was TSH. Mm -hmm. um, is there packages to test for more thyroid related things? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so we, in our, you know, base panel, we think TSH is a good start because, you know, if that's, if that's in range, you, there's a good chance that, you know, things are working. Um, and of course, if it's elevated, it means your body is like telling your thyroid, please produce more. And, and maybe it's not, it's not working. So, so it's kind of an early warning sign. Um, we do have a, actually, we, we have these add-ons that we've launched. So we already have the hormone plus add-on. So for women, it's a bunch of hormones plus some, uh, like B12 and folate. And then for men, it's hormones plus PSA. 
So tracking your prostate specific antigen, and if that starts going up, then you know you need to you need to get checked out basically for potential like prostate issues, like and maybe even cancer. So we usually that's not tracked very well, and so we, we we're kind of adding that so you get a baseline, and then we're launching a th what we call the thyroid plus, uh, hopefully within a month, and that'll do uh, T3, you know, free T3, free T4, and TPO. Oh, nice. I would like that. You said that launches in about a month. Yeah. And so the way that works is it's basically, a, so there are two strips on the card and we ship another half card. So it's like one strip and you fill that up and, and you get the results. So there it's, it's not a whole separate kit. It's just a, an additional card in the same kit. And there's, there's an additional fee, but it basically allows you to, in a single collection, get more data. Does that mean, so you, you don't need more drops of blood? Is it the same? Uh, you, need, you need more, but you don't have to go through, gotcha. you know, once you're doing it, it's, it's much easier, right? It's the, you know, the way I view it, it's like the activation energy. You know, once you have it working, it, it's, it's, uh, and you've done all, uh, all the preparation, everything, it's easy to fill three strips. I don't know, man, two. that seventh and eighth drop took a lot <laughs> for me to get out of. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, so people get very good at this over time. So the, okay. when I started, you know, we, when we, when we were doing this, we, we were testing other people's tests and we found that one of the major things is, you know, how you prepare for it, whether you have variable size lancets. So people have very different skin thicknesses. So we offer two different lancet sizes uh, so that you can actually tune that. Uh, and that makes a big difference for like the pain level, uh, you know, how fast it heals and things like that. So we have the smaller lancet. Um, and that's the one I use actually. I can, I've, I've like gotten to the point where I can do one of the small lancets and that's it. But it takes all the preparations, like heating your hand up, having, you know, lots of, lots of water before. Sometimes I'll do some weightlifting. Actually, that's very effective. I'll but do that like- That doesn't throw off like some of these numbers? That was my concern. I didn't not want to if like- you, Not if you do result. it immediately. So if you go and do a set of deadlifts, and then just prick your finger right away. There's not enough time between that and the and the prick to, to you know for your body to generate any anything. So it's, it's okay. as long as you do it right away. That for me works very well. But yeah, just heating your hand up with hot water. That's the stand. That's really the most. But that important. could affect. But but you, you so you're not testing glucose level, right? We don't. We don't okay. test glucose levels uh, so because have... there's so many ways to do that. And you know the CGM anyway. We think gotcha. it's like a better approach. Gotcha. So we, we okay. just we do we do HbA1c and fasting insulin, which are more stable and you know, I think deeper, like a deeper result than, okay. than glucose. Any yeah. other tests that you do that you want to mention? Um, yeah, we've, we've covered a lot. I mean, we do again, like expanded hormone panel because often, you know, whatever, let's say low testosterone or something, it's more, it's interesting to look deeper and see, is it your, that your LH is low or whatever. So there, so there are different reasons it could be. And so that, that's, that's a valuable one and that people often request. That's it. We, we mostly just launch besides the base panel. We just launch what people ask for. Gotcha. Um, so that, that's a big one. And then, uh, yeah, I think one thing that we're doing, which we're collecting interest for, so it's very likely we'll launch this also in, in a month or two is, um, you know, for a lot of people, like sometimes the thing you have to do to up upgrade your blood work is, is just uh, supplements, right? So that's like the first, one of the first easy hacks. So for certain things, there are supplements that'll do it. And uh, so we're partnering with a company that does supplements for a lot of the sports teams and like Olympic teams and just doing a pass through. Like we try to come up with ways to make it easy for people to do something, right? So we're just uh, going to put together some panels of supplements so that you can quickly just get something and try it and see if it helps you. That's okay. in the pipe. That's in the pipeline. Uh, and in terms of the things we actually test, I think ferritin is a very uh, underappreciated marker. We, we did not know this ourselves. Actually, when we, when we launched with ferritin, we were just looking for anemia. And in women, you do find anemia or in, also in vegetarians. That's the two groups where you typically find not enough iron. Uh, and that's like a ferritin, I believe below 30. Um, but we're occasionally finding people with very, very high ferritin. And, uh, that's, it turns out there's a condition called hemochromatosis. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, where you will lose, you know, at least according to one person that we've talked to a lot, he was the first one we found and we didn't believe the number. Like you have to go get tested at LabCorp because, you know, this number is crazy. It's like tenfold, uh, the normal ferritin level. And it turned out it was real. Uh, and so his doctor basically, they never tested him for this. He had all kinds of health problems. Nobody ever tested it for some reason. 
and um, it's very it's easy to deal with. So he's got a ferritin down now. I think he's just giving blood. That's that's all it is. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's what they they prescribed him to do because there's not like a clear treatment. It's something. It's like semi hereditary. And um, he says that it's it's going to add like 10 to 15 years to his life. So basically, this is because if he had just let it go, it was going to worsen and worsen, and the symptoms would get much worse. So he was already feeling like joint pain and fatigue and all these things. Uh, and so that we occasionally find people with that. And so there, that's one that I think is very underappreciated because it's probably latently there and people are just not getting diagnosed. Gotcha. Uh, like at some, it's relatively rare, but I mean, if you're already not feeling great, there's, you probably have a higher chance that that's, that's going on. Right. Um, so that's one that I, I, I was surprised. We, we, that's something we learned honestly, uh, from, from doing this, you know, having thousands and thousands of people take the test. Nice. The other thing that is nice and, um, for the listeners, if you're wondering, when you when you get the test, um, there's like insights for each category. So if you have something that's like out of range, there's a little insight. But also you guys offer some consults with a doctor to go over. And I haven't taken advantage of it yet, but I plan to. And it's really reasonably priced, which was so nice one of the reasons see. it's reasonably priced is it's not a doctor technically. Oh, okay. So it's not a medical, it's a coaching session. Coaching session. Uh, okay. the interesting thing is that you know, we end up typically using MDs for the coaching sessions anyway, uh, but it's not practicing MDs. So it's people that are not licensed and they're not, so, or they're in a different, so we have an MD from England who is practicing there, but we don't give medical advice. So we don't prescribe medicine. Uh, we don't diagnose you with any disease. What we do is like help you interpret, you know, instead of reading a bunch of the articles we have about what do the markers mean and all these things, we give you all the context. Uh, and then we also put together a plan. Uh, and the plan is, again, similar to the insights, but deeper because we find out more about the person. So we collect lots of information. You know, we don't right now, if you take our test, we don't even ask. I mean, this is something we're planning to add, but we don't even ask you your height and weight or anything like that. So we just give you and that some people prefer it that way, honestly. But uh, it, in the coaching sessions, it goes a lot deeper. And that's another thing where that's not a profit center for us. That's why it's so low cost. We just try to scrape by where we're not losing money on doing that. Um, and We'll see if we can keep it at $39. I think we actually do lose money on it right now. Okay. But the idea the idea is just to, you know, the company was very long-term focused because our goal is eventually to have a device in the home uh, rather than this card. So that's really where we're, that's where we're headed over oh, the next couple of years. Yeah. And we have prototypes. So the, this is how it looks. So the chip, the chip is in there and that does the blood test. Uh, so that's really like the long-term vision of the company. And for that reason, we're just trying to, learn about how to make blood tests valuable for people. And so the coaching is part of that, just trying to make it useful, right? So it, it, rather than necessarily like short-term making that a profit center, we just want to scale up how people use the blood test, uh, how much value they get out of them and things like that. And that's why we have all these ancillary services around them. Gotcha. That's cool. I also like, there's some flexibility. So um, I have to be careful because there was a time where I would, um, overdo things, uh, like this. So I'm glad that there's like some options of like, how, how conservative or aggressive or how crazy or sane do you want to be? Like you mentioned you test every month, but it's your company, um, for the average person that just wants to track the cares about their health and, and likes to play offense as opposed to defense, like wants to be preventative and yeah. not wait for the shit to hit the fan. And then like, wait for the, um, medical system to try to figure it out when their incentive incentives are in weird places. It seems like I do not yeah. have good history of getting from A to B successfully through the Western medical model, nor does like anyone in my family. Like I just, I don't have yeah. a lot of, I've become a cynic, I guess. And I have some good, um, some like good experiences with like functional and in integrative docs, but also like it's, it can get really expensive and sometimes it's just overkill. Like the best thing is to be your own advocate and like play a bigger role and then rely on those systems as needed, really as little as needed, like as much as you need, but also as little as you need for your own sanity and like a balanced lifestyle. And this is where I, I think it's nice. And you guys offer different approaches as far as frequency and mm -hmm. the price it's like a membership thing from what i understand but the price is based on how often you want to take the test so there's yeah. like quarterly options or yearly options 
is, from what yeah, I so, so I think the if you, the way it works is if you're just going to take one test, probably the thing to do is to get the yearly, and you just get a test per year. You can always cancel it. Um, and it's priced such that I mean, we mostly want people. We highly uh, not want, but you know, we just if we if people were reasonable, we would just have one option because we the the third option is actually just straightforward and probably the best for for most people unless they just want to try one test. Um, and which is we recommend really getting a baseline at, at least over time, even if it's like two tests a year. But the best option probably for most people is it's called the unlimited membership, and this is made so that you can test a la carte. So we send you a box. It's got uh, two kits in it. Um, if you add on the continuous glucose monitor, you get that as well, or the hormone plus whatever. But you know the base thing has got two kits, and then the blue light blockers that we just try to get everybody to use, and then some other stuff like extra lancets, whatever. Uh, like, and um, it's a starter kit, like a hand warmer. And so we give that to people, and we don't. We just charge sixteen dollars a month to have access to the membership. Uh, and that includes whatever, everything we do, the co coaching, whatever. But then when you do something, you just pay for that and it's your choice. So let's say you take a test, we bill you the $95 for the test, uh, and then we send you another kit. And if you don't use that kit, you don't get billed. And so it's it's more like that. So you can choose, let's say you're do trying an experiment, you can take a test every two weeks and then you can pause for a year, right? Or whatever it is. So it, it kind of depends on, it depends. We've had, at the beginning, we had a monthly membership and there were people that wanted more frequently. They oh wanted gosh. to test like every two weeks because they were doing something. Maybe they were preparing for a marathon or whatever it is. And there were people who were like, got the monthly membership because it was the best price, but then they would have the kits pile up. And we don't want that either, right? So it's just, uh, we realized that there's so much heterogeneity amongst people, like what they want to do, that we just made a membership where it's all like, it's just as you go. Uh, and so that that's the one that I recommend, but we also have the legacy stuff. It's like a yearly and a quarterly um, that that are that will like show up at your door at a, at a at a fixed time. Gotcha. I feel like for me personally, the quarterly is a good thing to keep me uh, responsible, but also in check because I don't want to go down those rabbit holes because I know myself. Like I don't want to get obsessed with it because I, there was a time where I got obsessed about health things, and it was mm -hmm. great until it isn't and you know everybody's different so it's nice to have the flexibility where if it's out of sight out of mind i might go two years without a test and i don't want that so i like the idea that it just shows up every mm -hmm. three months um that's interesting i haven't thought of that thing. it's a reminder to do it in a way yeah yeah, yeah. That's yeah i mean there's you know fortunately there's a lot of different personalities out there and uh otherwise you know this earth place would suck but you know, it, it's interesting, like there might be different models that you haven't thought of yet that wind up emerging. It sounds like you're still kind of in the infancy stage of this process, but um, a bright future. It's really exciting to see what you held up a moment ago about the in the in-house. Like mm -hmm. I would have never even considered that. So you mentioned it. So that's exciting. So down the road, years from now, you won't have to deal with something in the mail. You'll just have a device and then you'll have something in your house and your computer that just kind of reads it for you or so will so it still need to be sent to you guys yeah so the, so it's a much longer process to get something approved for the home uh because there's no the way that it works now you know it goes to a lab with large instruments fda cleared there's a lab director who's a you know very experienced scientist who controls everything right so that's that's an easier process to launch a blood test, and that's why we went with this because we just wanted to start serving customers as soon as possible, gotcha. uh, because we knew like there's a gap in the market, people need this. Um, this is the really the core technology of the company, and the bottleneck for this is part of it is engineering, but a lot of it is you have to do a ton of rigorous testing to get approval to to be on the market with something like this. Uh, but it will never fully replace mail-in tests. So we'll always have probably a combination because certain markers are measured so rarely, like you don't really need to measure them that often. So there's no reason to develop them on a home test. Okay. Uh, and that's, but, but as we expand our menu, we're going to add more of those rarer markers to help people like figure out what's going on with them. And at the same time, try to move the markers that you measure frequently onto these home, home cartridges. So it's, gotcha. it's a, it's, a, it's, it'll always be like a mix of, a mix of different uh, approaches, but the mail-in testing has a lot of benefits because it's so flexible. Uh, but of course, this decreases the amount of blood, which is really important. Uh, it makes it just much easier to take the test. 
and it also uh, gives you the result right away. So it's and and the cost will drop because of the sh less shipping. It's everything's better. It's like a right. tenfold. tenfold uh, that's really exciting to hear yeah. where it's going. Um, I do think blood testing is super useful, and it sounds like you're on the cutting edge here. And um, kind of grateful that you guys are doing what you're doing. Um, I'm glad. I'm grateful that I have access to do this now, and um, I appreciate it. And I think for the listeners out there, if you know if you're interested in monitoring your blood, give it a try. And if you don't feel well, this is, um, you, I mean, you might get just the insight you need to lead you the right direction down whatever healing journey that awaits you. Um, Mike, I want to uh, thank you for taking the time to reach out to us. From what I understand, you guys are offering a discount on the SciFox product for our listeners. Uh, I will confirm this, but I think it's uh, using code MINDFUL mm -hmm. at checkout. And um, we'll go ahead and link that into the uh, show notes for the listeners. Mike, anything else you'd like to to add? No, I think we're good. We we covered a lot of ground here. It's uh, thanks thanks a lot for having me on. And and uh, I think you know it's a uh, yeah, it's really a, a pleasure to be doing this. And and it's um, as we're growing, it's just you know it's really rewarding to see people getting benefit from this and and being able to be like a conduit for people to like start or improve whatever they're doing to to fix their health i mean I, i've had a lot of like my family has had a ton of health issues and this is something that i think would have been impactful if they had had it you know 10 or 20 years ago uh so for for me it's, it's just like something i really i really enjoy getting this out to the world uh, and so thanks for you know giving me a chance to to talk to a lot of people at once my pleasure, man. I also grateful to be a conduit for the message you're putting out there for these products. Thanks a lot. And for the listeners out there, always grateful for your listening. I hope everybody enjoyed. I hope you have a great day. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. It's kind of exciting. It just makes you wonder how things are going to change in the field of medicine going forward. I feel like we're on the brink of just dramatic changes over the next five or 10 years. And I think this um, is kind of right at the heart of that. And I love that it gives kind of more power, more control to the individual. I do feel that you really have to be your own advocate um, these days and use experts to help guide you and not hand so much of your power over to them. Um, they're only humans. They don't walk on water. Um, and sometimes if we trust too much and wait for them to do all the things for us to fix our own health it doesn't go well so at the mindful movement you know i'm an advocate for playing a bigger role in your sense of well-being and this is right at the heart of that so i'm excited for our listeners to get an opportunity to try this new technology and if you do uh, let the community know what you think thanks again for listening have a great day